we are continuing on the series of Church on the Move, and we've been deep diving into the book of Acts. We've talked about who is the Holy Spirit. We talked about the fulfillment of Pentecost, and we talked about what it is to be a witness for Christ. And today, we're going to pick up from where we left off. Now, just a quick catch up. Uh, a lame beggar was healed by God through Peter and John, and Peter began preaching about the risen Savior. Uh, they were then brought to the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin were a group of religious political leaders who were not too happy with the message that Peter and John was proclaiming. And after throwing at them a barrage of threats, uh, the Sanhedrin released Peter and John. Now, with this in mind, would you go with me to the book of Acts chapter 4? Okay, Acts chapter 4, and we'll be reading from verse 23 all the way to 31. So Acts chapter 4, verse 23, it says this, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great bonus. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And uh, this morning, I would like to speak on the subject of position your heart to witness. Position your heart to witness. And if I can give a subtitle to it, I would say the kingdom witness. All right, the kingdom witness. Would you pray with me even as we look to the word of God this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Father Lord, we thank you for the moments that we share around your word. God, it's through these moments that we catch a glimpse of who you are and your desires for each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you give us the mind to understand, open our ears to hear you clearly, open our eyes to see all that you are doing in our lives today, and give us the faith to, be, to believe, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We surrender this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You know the passage that we have just read this morning, it's a rather interesting one. We can either be very encouraged by it, or perhaps if you're like me, at times we can be a little bit hesitant to pray such prayers. Now, why do I say so? Well, it's always easier to utter such prayers when we are comfortable, when we are in our comfort zone when all is going well, when all is good with us. It's easier to pray such prayers when our lives are not at stake. You know, there's no gamble in that sense. We don't have anything to lose. But when we are faced with persecution, when we, our life is on the line because of who we profess to believe in, or perhaps if the lives of our loved ones are at stake, can we 
pray such prayers? Or rather, do we dare to pray such prayers? Open Doors, a Christian organization that helps to strengthen the persecuted church around the world, says that persecution is any form of hostility experienced as a result of following Jesus. For some, it is a denial of basic needs like clean water, food, and healthcare because of their faith in Jesus, or rejection from their non-Christian family and community. For others, Christian persecution is acts of physical violence, imprisonment, or even death. We have heard of Christians being persecuted in the Middle East, in Africa, in several parts of Asia, such as North Korea, China, uh, even in East Timor, like the team, the country the team is going, and even from where I came from, Malaysia. All around the world, persecution still exists. But for those of us here in Perth, Australian Christians have generally enjoyed being persecution-free, and we have the liberty to speak and live out our faith, which is something we don't take for granted. However, there is an increasing rate of decline in Christianity in Australia. Charles State University records that in 1971, Christians represented 86.2% of the Australian population. But in 2021, just two years ago, Christians were down to 43.9% of the population. That's about 40% down over the span of 50 years. Now, of course, the statistics did show there's a great increase in migration, which perhaps affected the overall percentage of Christians here. But it also means with that increase of migration, there is an increase of diverse ideologies, diverse philosophies, diverse values and principles as well. And inevitably, there will be a greater push for these philosophies, for these ideologies in all spheres of life. May it be education, may it be our workplace, may it be the arts and media, may it be the government, and perhaps even religion as well. And in the last days, such as the time that we are living in, in an era of moral subjectivity, where people are lovers of themselves, when we have to be politically correct in our speech, lest we get cancelled. Do we dare to make such bold and audacious prayers? Because like it or not, friends, persecution is on the rise. Whether subtly or openly, it is on the rise and it will continue to be so till we see Jesus face to face. And the passage that we read this morning is not so much as a formula to make us bold and courageous. It's not that if we pray in a certain way, it will surely guarantee and produce a certain outcome. Not at all, friends. But rather, as we observe how the believers responded in the face of opposition and persecution, let us pause, let us reflect upon our lives how you and I, we can be witnesses for Christ in the 21st century. And so, you know, we may not be facing persecution like the, what the believers were facing, but I truly believe all of us, we are still called 
to be His witness. We are still called to go and make disciples. We are still called to be His ambassadors to the people in our world. And so the big idea for us today is this. As witnesses for Christ, the posture of our heart positions us for His plans and purpose. The posture of our heart positions us for His plans and purpose. And I want to split this into two key observations that we can get from the passage that we read this morning. Firstly, number one, it reveals to us the posture of the heart of the believers. Acts chapter 4, verse 24. It says this, when they heard this, they raised their voice together. They referring to the believers. The believers raised their voice together in prayer to God. And they said this, sovereign Lord, sovereign Lord. And the word sovereign Lord is, is only recorded for us four times in the New Testament. And the original Greek word that is used here is despotes. It means complete ownership complete supremacy, complete authority. It's, word, it's a word used of a ruler who has power that cannot be questioned. It is where the word despo in our English word came to be. And for us to, today, despot uh, has a negative connotation in the sense it's usually related to tyrants who exercise power in a cruel or oppressive way, such as Hitler and Stalin. But when the believers used that word despotes, sovereign Lord, they were saying that God is the Almighty One and that they have yielded their lives to Him completely. In fact, a huge portion of their prayer was basically highlighting the reality of who God is. You know, let's read it again. You know, verse 4, 24 to 28, it says, the sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plots in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. The believers, they were saying that God is the Almighty One. He is the Lord of all. He is the creator of heavens and the earth. They were acknowledging the fact that even though the, the people persecuted Jesus, it was in God's plan, it was in His will for it to happen. It was not outside of His knowledge. It was not outside of His control. And friends, when I look at it, it shows me the believer's heart that are surrendered and yielded to God and to His purpose. They recognize that because God is in control, they can trust Him even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of opposition. The challenge was in front of them. Their lives were at stake, but they knew who had the upper hand. They knew who was ultimately in control. It was not them. It was definitely not the Sanhedrin, but it was the King of Kings. And this morning, church, may we be encouraged to have a posture of surrender before the Lord whenever we face persecution, whenever we face such challenges. 
May we be challenged to have a posture of rest in the presence of God and not wanting to control the pieces, but to trust and wait upon Him. You know, in the church which I grew up in, I had a church member who was a land developer. And to develop lands, one would need to apply to get that project. And you can either do it the easy way or you can do it the impossible way. The easy way was to give an incentive, was to give a bribe, and you will surely get a project. You may be the most unqualified person to develop the land, but if you have money, confirm that project is yours. Uh, and of course, you know, the impossible way was not to give a single cent. Uh, if you don't give anything, you will not get any, anything at all. And, and so, a lot of people who was in that same line of work uh, advised their church member, you know, to just give a little bit, you know, to, in, to give a little bit of incentive. If not, he, he won't succeed in that industry. But that church member, he adamantly refused to give in. He refused to pay a single cent for that project. He argued that why should he stoop to that level when he is on right, right standing before the Lord? He trusted that God you know, would grant him that project if that project was meant for him. If it's not meant for him, he will not get it. And a lot of his peers, a lot of his uh, competitors in some sense, made fun of him and ridiculed him of his principles. A lot of people doubted that he would even succeed. And they told him that he won't make it in that line of work. And he faced so many hurdles. He faced so many opposition in what he was doing. But it's been 30 years now, and he's still doing very well. And God has used him throughout the many years to be a testimony in that industry for him. And friends, when you and I, when the posture of our heart is right before the Lord, we have nothing to fear. When we are surrendered, when we are yielded in Him, while, when we are at rest in Him, we can stand tall before God and before men. It doesn't mean that the persecution, the opposition, the challenges magically disappear. Though God, in His power, He could do so. But what it means for us is that our lives are in the best hands. It is in the porter's hands to do whatever He wants to do in us and through us as well. And church, that's the best place we could ever be, in the master's hands. So the first question I want to leave with all of us here today is this. How is the posture of your heart today? How is the posture of your heart today? Are we yielded to God? Is our hearts fully surrendered to God? You know, I wonder how many of us really mean it and believe it and live it out when we say we put our trust in God. Do we really trust that He is the sovereign Lord? Do we really trust that He's in charge over everything? You know, even the song that we sang earlier on, Christ be magnified. Do we really believe it and live it out? Or are we just paying lip service? You know, the disciples had the right posture, even in the midst of persecution. How about us today? We may not be facing such persecution, but even so, 
Are our hearts surrendered and yielded to God? Is there any area of our lives that we are holding back from fully surrendering to Him? So the first question, how's the posture of our heart today? And firstly, as witnesses of Christ, let the posture of our heart be right before God. Secondly, when the posture of our heart is right before God, we are positioned, we are purpose-ready to be used by God for His plans and for His purposes. What is God's plan and what is His purpose? His plan is to redeem mankind, the whole world, back to Himself. And He purposed it that you and I, that we are part of that redemption plan. We are His hands and feet to a world that desperately needs Him. That's the reality of who we are called to be. When the posture of our heart is not right, when we get distracted because of the discomfort that arises in persecution, when our self-preservation becomes greater than the Great Commission, we lose sight of who God has called us to be. Peter and John and the believers with them could have easily walked away from it. Their lives were at stake. They could have said, you know, Jesus, you know, this is too much. This is way over our head. You know, we have enough. We wash our hands clean and we walk away. They could have done that. They could have prayed and asked God to simply make the Sanhedrin disappear. Take away the challenges. Take away the persecution. And poof, problem solved. But they didn't. They looked to God as the sovereign Lord. They looked to Him as the Almighty One who is in control. And they cried out to Him in verse 29 to 30. And He says this in verse 29. Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Wow. What a perspective. Instead of shying and running away, the believers cried out to God and kept focused on who He has called them to be, to be His witnesses. They were available and they were ready to be used for His plans and purpose. In spite of the persecution, in spite of the challenges at hand, the believers decided they are going to live with that one life that they have for His glory, for His purpose, even if it cost them their very life. You know, my dad grew up in a home where grandma was a staunch idol worshipper. And the family had a lot of big idols in the house. And dad became a believer in his late teens, and grandma was very furious and very upset about it when it happened. You know, she would often ransack my dad's room and whatever literature, Christian literature and Bible that she could find, she would always throw it outside of the house. And my dad would have to go and sneakily go and take, collect all those items back and bring it back into the room. And when grandma find it again, she would take it and throw it outside the house again. And when it came to mealtimes, uh, because the food that the family ate was offered to idols, Dad made a decision not to eat those food. 
and grandma would get very upset and she would throw the food at my dad and my dad would not have any food to eat. And when my dad's friends came over to his house, the group of friends that got him safe, a grandma would often stand outside the house with a garden hose. <laughs> and she would bless them with showers of blessing as they enter into the house. And as they leave the house, there will be another round of showers. And this carried on for some time till grandma realized that dad is not going to change his mind about following Jesus. And for 20 odd years, grandma was a really tough nut. Dad tried to share the gospel with her so many times, but to no success. But dad didn't give up praying for her. He didn't give up believing that she would know Jesus one day. And one day in 1997, I remember the year very clearly, dad got a call out of blue from grandma and she told him that she's going to church. The church leaders of the church that she was attending came and got rid of all the idols that was in the house. And uh, several months down the line, she got baptized. And you know, when I was in my teens, I asked grandma, what made her go to church out of the blue? After so many years of saying no, she said that one night when she was sleeping, uh, sleeping she had a dream and she saw this white figure in front of her. And the white figure told her, go to church. And she asked the white figure, who are you? And the white figure told her, I'm Jesus. And that was that. She went to church after that. You know, that was the start for, for grandma from being a tough nut to crack to becoming a tough nut for Christ till she went home to be with the Lord in 2020. And the point of the story is this. My dad could have easily given up, but he chose to have a heart that is surrendered and yielded to God. He chose to trust God despite the persecution my grandma threw at him. He chose to be positioned by God to be used by him to reach out to my grandma. And friends, when the posture of our heart is right before God, we are positioning ourselves to be used for His glory. We definitely cannot predict the outcome of our story. We cannot control how people may respond to us. We cannot control how people may respond to us when we make a stand for who we believe in. We cannot control the type of persecution or opposition or challenges that comes our way. And for some, the persecution never goes away. For some, the persecution increases all the more till we see our maker face to face. In fact, it is a sure guarantee if we are truly living out as is His witness, persecution and hardship will come our way. But what we can do is to check the posture of our heart and to position ourselves to be purpose ready for God's plan and, and purposes. Just like the believers in Acts chapter 4, they were yielded to God. They were ready to be used by God as His mouthpiece in greater measures. Church, 
the posture of our heart positions us for His plans and purposes. Earlier on, I asked the first question, how is the posture of our heart today? And the second question I want to leave with us this morning is this, how can we position ourselves to be used by God now? How can we position ourselves to be used by God today? Perhaps for some of us, we need to address certain mindsets, certain attitudes that we may have. Maybe we feel that we are not cut out to share the good news. Maybe we feel inadequate, unequipped. Maybe we feel unqualified. Or perhaps we have not been as available and willing for whatever reason to reach out to that schoolmate, to reach out to that office colleague sitting right next to you. Maybe we are afraid what he or she might, might have to say. Perhaps they might be offended. Maybe we have gotten a little bit too comfortable. And if we were to start sharing about Jesus to our unchurched family and friends, oh, it's going to rock the boat. But church, this morning, I pray that we will begin to cry out to the Lord like the disciples. I know I need to pray more like them. That, oh Lord, would you consider these things? Oh Lord, would you consider these challenges that I'm in? Oh Lord, would you consider the trials? Oh Lord, would you consider the circumstances, the situation that I'm in? And help me, God, not to shy away. Help me, Lord, not to get too comfortable. Help me, Lord, on days when I don't feel like it. Help me, God, to speak your word with great boldness. You know, even as we come to a close this morning, I love the title of the series that we are in, Church on the Move. It's about the early church movement back in the book of Acts. But more than that, it's about the Holy Spirit empowering the ordinary people, enabling them to be witnesses for God in spite of the circumstances that they were in. And the good news is, it is still happening today. The Holy Spirit is empowering you and I to be His witness. He is enabling us to push back against the darkness in this womb. And church, I truly believe the gates of hell will not, it shall not, it cannot prevail against the kingdom of God. We are His church. We are His church that is on the move. We are His church that is a witness for His kingdom and for His glory. And this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit is searching our hearts. He is seeking, He is one waiting for us to rise up to the occasion. He is wanting hearts that are surrendered and yielded to His will. He is more than willing and He wants to empower each and every one of us to be used for His glory. This, this morning, church,
would we come before the Lord? And would you allow that ho- the Holy Spirit to do that deep work in each and every one of us? And in a moment's time, we're going to respond to the Lord together. But this morning, you know, even as I was preparing for the message, you know, I, I sense you know, that some of you perhaps are going through some sort of persecution because you made the decision to believe in Jesus. You're finding it a struggle, in your, perhaps in your family, in your workplace, whatever it is. This morning, if you're, you are going through some sort of persecution, some sort of trial, some sort of opposition, I would love to pray with you and the team as well. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to encourage you this morning. So if that's you, in a moment's time, even as we worship God, would you come to the altar? So that's the first group of people. The second group of people is this. Perhaps you are not facing any persecution and you say that, oh, all is going well in my life right now. But you sense the Holy Spirit challenging you today. Hey, would you dare to pray like the disciples? Would you begin to say, yes, I want to be available. Yes, I want to speak your word boldly. Yes, I want to surrender my life to you to be a witness for your glory. If that's you as well, would you come to the altar? I believe the Holy Spirit wants to touch you as well. Shall we all rise up together this morning? Even as we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for this morning. Holy Spirit, you are working in each and every one of our lives. Help us, God, to fix our eyes on you whenever we face all sorts of challenges and persecution and trials. God, teach our eyes to fix on you, Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. The Holy Spirit, you would come and empower us. You would come and enable us and give us that boldness and courage to do what you want in us and through us, Lord. So Father, here we are. We surrender our lives to you once again, Lord.